Hi, and welcome to today's episode. Before we jump right in, I wanted to just to quickly come in and say hi, I'm Adriana. And if you could please hit subscribe to this podcast, if you have listened to my other ones, and you've enjoyed some of the resources that I put out there. And if you could also kindly rate this podcast, I would love a five star review, but you know, you rate it as you feel I have earned. So if you could please subscribe and submit a review and share this with anyone that you feel would benefit from family chemotherapy podcast. Thank you so much. Welcome to family chemotherapy, where we discuss ways to cope through a pediatric cancer diagnosis. I'm your host, Adriana Lewin. Hello, welcome back. This is Adriana. Today I want to talk to you about I am scared. I know that more than likely most of our children going through childhood cancer um, or even an adult cancer, like with a parent in the family, when we hear them say, I am scared, how to navigate that. It's a really challenging process. Um, even though I'm a therapist uh, and I have worked with some children throughout my career, um, it's a little different when it becomes your own kid, right? Like you throw all the knowledge out the window and you want to do what all, <laughs> what parents want to do, which is encourage their kids and tell them, oh, you've got this. So I'm going to start out with a story. This is less about um, during treatment as much as it is after treatment. Um, we had been off treatment for a couple of months already, and we went to a playground to play uh, during the pandemic. It was near the end of it, I guess you could say near the end of 2020, early 2021. And we felt a little more comfortable getting out into a public playground. So we take my kid, my all of my kids together. And, you know, here I am sitting on a bench. I'm literally bawling my eyes out, like cannot stop the tears from coming. Luckily I had sunglasses on. So my kids could not see that I was just crying. They were off doing their thing, playing. And then there were moments where my child who went through cancer stepped over and said, mom, I'm scared. Like they would come over and want to go climb higher on the playground set. It was like a three-story playground set. Um, and I kid you not, some of these, I mean, he would be like two feet off the ground. That's not very far, right? It's like a step or two. And he would just panic, freeze and say, mom, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. And I had to fight the urge to say, you've been through so much more than this. Like you are so brave. You are so strong. You are, you know, stronger than you know, or you look how strong you are. You've been through cancer treatment and all the needle pokes and been through more than what other kids your age have been through. I had to fight that inclination because I know through my training that the last thing that these kids want to hear is you're so brave. You're so strong, just like as a parent, right? Like when people on the outside say to us, you're so brave, you're so strong. The first thing that you want to do is just like, hold your tongue, bite your tongue, right? Like I am not brave. I am not strong. I'm barely keeping it together. You're just not asking how I'm actually doing. And I'm just not feeling comfortable to tell you that. Well, our kids are coming to us and saying, I'm scared. 
And this is a really important opportunity for us to establish that relationship. How will our kids treat their future fears and concerns with us if we completely miss the mark and dismiss them and dismiss their fears and just flush toxic positivity down their little tiny brains, right? So what instead I did during that situation where he was trying to climb up a I don't know, a wall feature there at the park. I said, buddy, I know you're scared. It's okay to be scared. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. When you're ready and you feel brave enough, you can take one more step up, but no one's making you do anything right now. And that was really important after treatment. So this is really like, I'm scared, maybe post-treatment because Notice notice I said, you don't have to do anything that you want to, because during treatment, they didn't have a choice. Like we would have to either hold them down or give them coping techniques. And some of them would either fight it or they just became, um, I guess, reluctant, right? Or not reluctant, like passive, like you could do the things and they, they just felt defeated. Like there was, they were helpless and hopeless. So that is something that happens with people in trauma, right? Like when you think about um, people who have been through sexual abuse and trauma and they're no longer fighting back, it's because of their fight, flight, or freeze response. Well, guess what? Our kids also have that too. So when they're getting, you know, pokies, or we call them pokies whenever we get the uh, port accessed, when you get pokies of that or just labs drawn, they didn't have a choice. And we just had to figure out how to make it as easy as possible for them. But there was no choice in that. So post-treatment, my biggest effort has been in helping my child reestablish his sense of control. Um, During treatment, I had him go into a therapist and that was a play therapist there at the hospital. And that was the theme that we encountered, which was the need for control. And so in this situation, when he's playing on a playground, he says, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't want to give him the impression that I'm not listening and I don't understand where his fears are coming from because they went through something traumatic and their brains are still in the fight, flight, or freeze mode. They're still scared of doing certain things. They're still trying to figure out how, like their autonomy, what what is theirs to keep? What is theirs to do? Um, where do they have control in situations? And it's really about encouraging them to reestablish that control. So mommy, I'm scared is an opportunity for you to say, I know it is scary. I can see how scary that is for you. And you don't have to do anything that you don't want to, especially when it's a playground, it's a situation where they're on the playground. We don't have to encourage that you know, they have to go up the playground because they were so much stronger in cancer. It's do it when you want to, when you feel brave, brave enough or ready enough to climb up those, that ladder, you will, you're not always going to be scared of this. You'll figure out how to, to move up there. Is there anything I can do to help you? Would you like for me to stand behind you as you climb the wall? Um, and it's just providing that your child an opportunity to explore their own inner strength without us telling them you're so strong. You have to be strong. You, you've been through so much worse. Um, 
So that's a really big, important thing. One, validate the emotion. And then two, um, give them control. These kids really want some control back in their life. So how is that going to translate into other situations? Yes, you can apply that into your hospital scenarios as well. One of the things that we did um, early on in treatment was learning to give our kids choices. You can choose to sit with your hands underneath your bottom, or you can choose for mommy to hold you. What would you like to do? Like giving them choices in terms of how do we cope through the really difficult procedures that we have to go through, giving them some sense of control. And when they're like, well, I don't want to do this at all. It's like, I'm so sorry. I know that this is hard and this is scary. Unfortunately, we don't have a choice on this, but we can choose how to do the procedure or do the next thing that's expected of us, but we don't have a choice about doing it, just how we do it. And it really requires kind of getting creative, um, thinking outside the box sometimes, right? Instead of like, well, let me just hold your arms down. Well, let's, what would you like to hold on to, to help you navigate this? I don't know why, how, maybe it's part of that training in me that I had at a, you know, before my kids started treatment, but the day we decided it was like, we had just found out he had cancer and we were planning on heading down to Houston to see if we had other options to confirm if it was cancer or not, because they found a tumor, but they didn't, they couldn't confirm it if it was cancerous. So we decided to go to Houston. And before we left, I gave my child an option. I said, Hey, uh, we're going to be going to the hospital. It might be scary. Would you like something to take with you? Like a doll? Would you like to take a doll or a toy with you that will help you be brave in the hospital setting if anything gets scary? I'm not saying it's going to be scary, but just in case it gets scary, is there something that will help you feel more brave? Sure enough, my child picked out this doll. He named it Mimi. It was the cutest little like beanie baby. It was like an old beanie baby that I used to have when I was back in middle school and high school. And I passed on a lot of my, a lot of my dolls to my kids. So he took one of these dolls and he named it Mimi. Um, that was, he named it at the hospital. He was like, this is Mimi. When they ask him, Oh, you know, does, does your doll have a name? It's Mimi. <laughs> um, but that doll, even to this day, like we've been out of treatment it's been three years and a half since diagnosis. And, um, to this day, he will often take his doll with him. And he's like, this is my cancer buddy. I mean, he literally said that a couple of weeks and it was like, well, you know, as a parent, you just like, hold on, that just took my breath away for a second, but it was his cancer buddy. And it was his little hospital buddy. He took it during the admissions. He would always have it with him, whether he played it, played with it or not. It was always with us in our bags, in our hospital admissions and any hospital visits we had always there. So it became like a source of comfort for him, um, especially when he felt that he needed it. So that's always an option to like, hey, buddy, like, I know we're going to have a pokey. Is there something that would uh, be helpful for you? to make that less scary? Would you like to take a doll or a toy to distract you? Um, one of the things we do now when we have certain procedures that require for him to get um, poked is 
do you want to see the needle? That was a big thing actually during treatment. Like we always said, do you want to see the needle? Because some, you know, some of these nurses, they just like catch these kids off guard and God bless their soul. Like I get it. Like some kids are really difficult to poke, um, and do port access with, but giving these kids a little bit more, um, sense of autonomy of agency of being able to be in control of their surrounding to some extent, you can say, do you want to see the needle? Yes or no. Or would you like, um, do you want to close your eyes? Do you want to count before they access your port? That was our routine. Do you want to see the needle? Do you want to count before you get, um, the pokey? We, I mean, we even nailed it down even further. Like, do you want to do count backwards or do you want to count forward? What number do you want to count from? And I know it seems really exhausting to be like, how much control, how detailed are we going to get on this? But it really is so helpful for them to know exactly what's going to happen when they, when it's going to happen. And essentially they feel like it's a little bit on their terms, right? Um, Do you want to sit on your hands or do you want your no mommy or daddy to hold you. Um, do you want to hold a doll when this happens? Uh, it's just providing as many options as possible and seeing how they navigate that, knowing that they don't have a choice, but at least they get to choose how it's done. So the next time you hear your kids say, I'm scared, I want you to get curious about, okay, they're scared. What is scary about this for them? Whatever the situation is, are they on a playground? Is it just their fight, flight, or freeze is just kind of out of whack? Cause my kid was not that scared of playgrounds before, um, going through cancer treatment. And then he grew out of it. Like within a month or two, he's slowly on his own with me, encouraging him, telling him, Hey, you don't have to do anything when you're ready. You can climb that, but you, it doesn't have to be today. It can be the next time we come or another time. But slowly he began to challenge himself. And that's really what we want our kids to do is to build that inner resilience and their inner confidence that they can handle this thing. You know, they don't need us telling them, you've been through so much. This is nothing compared to cancer treatment. So keep that in mind. Just get curious. Like, what is it that they're scared of? And how can I encourage them in a way that they feel heard and listened to validate their emotions again, right? Oh, I see that really is scary to you. I understand that would be really scary to have a needle poking me. Um, or that is really scary. That playground looks really tall and that's okay to be scared. We do have to do brave things sometimes when we're scared. Um, but if he doesn't have a choice, then, you know, figure out how to navigate that through encouragement and giving them a lot of sense of control and autonomy and agency or um in a situation where he does have like there's no nece- you know necessary need for, there's no need necessary i guess there's no need for him to he or she to go through you know an early step into courage based on our standards of like they've been through so much worse uh, if we can just give them the space to build that resilience, they will, they will figure it out. They'll play it out. And um, if you don't have your child in therapy, I highly recommend that you do. And we will talk about that in another session where it really, um, I say session, isn't that funny? Um, that's a therapist in me. 
um, I will talk about that in another episode where we can talk about things to look for and why, why it's important for your child to be in therapy, um, to process during before, well, not before, during and after. Um, so on that note, if you have any questions, let me know. I do want to end the session with a book recommendation and we can, I'll do another, um, episode on that as well, but a really good book that helps give parents a very basic foundation. There's two of them actually. And I will make sure and post those to the link, um, on the description on here. There is how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. Now, when you read this book, you're not going to be overwhelmed. There's a lot of like comic strips that give you examples of like how it's used uh, on a day-to-day context with just regular day-to-day issues that come up for kids. There's also a teenage version. So if you have a kid that's maybe a more of a tween, the book has been adapted so that you learn to communicate with kids of that age. Um, the other book, um, sorry, that was by Adele Faber. So how to talk. So kids will listen and listen. So kids will talk. The other one is love and logic and, oh, geez, I can't remember who wrote the book. Hold on a second. Klein and Faye. And there are also both, uh, a child version and adult version or not adult teenage version. Sorry. So. Both are really, really helpful. Um, I recommend that book all the time to parents that I have worked with, um, with their kids. And it's just a really great place to start so that you learn how to validate emotions and kind of it, it's really good about teaching you how, like what not to say, don't say this and don't respond this way. And it's just a good place to try and incorporate it. You know, we're, it's, it takes practice. Okay. I'm a therapist and I, I don't get it right all the time either. So I make mistakes. My kids hear me lose my temper every once in a while. Um, and the book is just something that I always go back to like, okay, I should be saying this. I shouldn't respond this way. And the goal is to just help our kids navigate this world and help them process what the experience is to them and be aware of what emotions they might be feeling so that we can help them put words to their feelings and learn a little a little more about emotional intelligence because when they're more aware of their emotions they will be able to begin to put words to their their feelings throughout their life especially when it become you know when it's related to cancer, like being able to say, wow, I could, I could see how that could be scary, or I could see how that feels unfair, just different words that they can put into their, uh, into the vocabulary. So on that note, um, let me know if there's anything that I can help you answer. I appreciate you guys listening to this episode and I hope that you found this information valuable and, um, I will see you on the next or here you will hear me or you might see me if you watch this on YouTube, because I am also posting these on YouTube. Um, we'll talk about a new topic on the next episode. So hope you have a great day. Thanks. If you have found this podcast helpful or you just love the mission for family chemotherapy, please kindly rate this podcast. 
Also, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest for additional resources that I do share daily. Please tag and share your friends and other pediatric cancer families that you think would benefit from any of the content from Family Chemotherapy. Thank you, and I can't wait to share the next episode. Together, we can help heal the whole family.